Blog Talk Radio. I know I live next to Louisiana, 
But if it's Boudreaux or Bro Drew or I, I just I, I fail at it, and that's been one of my hardest things to accept uh, in my um, racing career, in my announcing career. It doesn't matter if I think I have it right or not. It's guaranteed to come out of my mouth wrong. So I don't know. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I, I mean, I feel kind of like uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. kind of suffers the same thing with Toyota. So uh, um, definitely. Christopher Busher. Um, if we <laughs> Christopher Busher. How about Christopher Busher? Holy hell. When I told you that CB was the hottest driver in NASCAR, I was talking about Christopher Bell. I was not talking about Chris Buescher. But I just want you guys to see the catapult that he has done in the sports, in the uh, in the uh, sports standing, in the championship standing, uh, being, you know, first of all, the winners. Right, uh, right. Let's go. Jeez, where is my mind at? Um, Ricky Stenhouse is the only guy that's kind of out of character, right? He's the only winner this year that's uh, a surprise winner. We'll we'll leave it at that. I mean, maybe Chris Bush is a surprise winner, but technically when you look at he won last year, okay? So you look at the list this year. Ricky Stenhouse is the only one that kind of stands alone. Well, Chris Busher and Brad Keselowski, even with Chris winning, he was probably, what, 10th, maybe 8th in points. I think this or does this catapult him. I think this puts him at like 6th or something in points, right? Uh, just having the two wins versus one win, you're jumping all over the, those guys with one win, really sets you up for where, how far you have to fall when we start cutting drivers out. I, and, you know, I'm having a hard time tonight, and uh, I hope you guys are, are going to work with me, um, keeping me on track here. Um, no, I don't want to disclose anything. I'm just, yeah, I'm having some sugar issues, but we're okay. Yeah. I do want to mention, though, because I didn't get to watch whatever a little bit of the race happened on Sunday, but um, when it came to the race on Monday, of course, I was at work, so I couldn't really watch it. I mean, I probably could have if it was on Peacock. I probably could have gone away with it, but... um, I'm not sure how the boss would have felt about it, but I had at least the radio broadcast, which was, which this week it was through MRN. And listening to MRN during the live race coverage on Monday, and then today I got to watch the highlights of the cup race. Let me tell you, I felt more entertained listening to MRN covering that race versus watching NBC. And I have nothing against NBC because, I mean, I feel like NBC, in a sense, does better than Fox in a lot of aspects in terms of TV coverage. But in terms of, like, the people calling the races and giving reports back to you, Shoot, MRN got NBC beat. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Hands oh down. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. Like, I was literally on my lunch break listening to the race, and probably a little bit after that. And I'm sitting there, like, watching the NASCAR leaderboard on the on the NASCAR website and listening to MRN. And I was more entertained just by listening to the race and watching the leaderboard than watching uh, – 
the watching NBC broadcast. Shoot. Oh, it makes me think, uh, should I have the NBC broadcast, mute the TV, and listen to MRN instead? Right. I have no, we've done, done that. that many times in our household. Right. The greatest thing about DVR. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it does. Uh, MRN we wanna, does a we great create, job. We want to create better viewership, then we need to put these guys on the television side, because the whole experiment of putting a driver in to, because he understands the feel of the car better, that doesn't make for better announcing, guys. Yeah, I'm so glad, because, Taz, honestly, but, I think that you've fallen in that category. I think you've so, said many times before, well, it's okay because such and such has brought has from the cockpit of the car. That's great, but that's where we get Jeff Burton and Dale Jarrett and Steve Letarte, and that's that's a, it's just a different type of commentating. It's not no, really well, broadcast. And, and I, it's more that, of commentating. I do want to throw this in because I've been I've you know I've taken some college courses on this um, and kind of been to some professional uh, studios and things like that. When it comes to radio, you have to detail more and exactly. you have to report more because you're not seeing it, which which is obviously understandable. In terms of TV coverage, you can see more of what I and you can see more of what's going on, which they don't report mm-hmm. as much. But right. at the and same TV. time, at the same time, I feel like in motorsports. You need, like, yeah, you could, if you're watching race, yeah, you can see what's going on, but sometimes those little itty-bitty details of what's going on can also help because when I listen to the MRN broadcast of the race, when they mention Bowman's fun and then during that caution, um, when they extended, extended it for a few laps because they thought uh, rain was starting to come down, which ended up not really coming down, but... Um, they were mentioning how Cliff Daniels and Kyle Larson kept on playing this. Let's, if you're going to give us the extended caution, we'll take advantage of it. We'll keep coming down pit road and keep popping off on fuel. And and on NBC, I, you didn't really get that. Like, it was amazing because, like, I, at first I thought, what the hell are Larson and Cliff Daniels doing? I mean, yeah, I had Larson as a pick, but if I didn't have him as a pick, I would sit there and be like, what are they thinking? And when you sit sit there and when you sit there and you start getting the pit strategy involved, MRN explained, oh, they did this because, you know, it saves them on putting fuel in when it comes to when they go down for a green flag stop or or even a caution stop, which which obviously pit stops only happened under green and obviously it ended up paying off for Larson. And I believe Kislowski and Eric Jones are nearly on the same pit strategies too, because Busher and Truex were 20 laps older versus guys like uh, Larson, Jones, Brad Kislowski. I mean, Larson admitted in the interview with MRN that, once the contact happened, he thinks it made the car slower, but he said other than that, it was, it was about the same as it was before the contact. 
when Bowman's fun, but I mean, shoot. The pit strategy became a factor. Truex almost uh, snapped the Toyota winless streak at uh, Michigan. Ford continued to prevail at the track. And um, I don't know. I just I personally like MRN broadcasts a lot better than uh, what I saw with NBC. All right, so I'll stay yeah. quiet long enough. If CW were to go and pick any broadcasting team of your choice, would you choose the Dale Jr. Jeff Burton show, or would you choose Dave Moody and and Alex Hayden and Rusty Wallace and that group? Who would who would you choose? I would definitely go with the MRN team. You know, like like Taz explained when you're on radio you have to be much more descriptive and detailed in the things that, you, that you're saying. You know, I grew Not up, all that. you know, I, I'm old, but I grew up listening to baseball on the radio. They didn't show the games on regular right. television, you know. Right. And, and once they started televising games, I would put the TV on, but still had the radio on because I wanted my local commentators. Right. You know, look at, and, right. and wasn't it, I believe it was Mike Bagley that covered corners on the Chicago uh, race from MRI? Yes, yes. You know. It was I, either Hayden or fantastic. Bagley. It was Bagley. Yes, it was Bagley. Right. Fantastic. So, yes. If if yeah. I were CW, I'd be tagging MRN people. Absolutely. And we say, you know, look, the broadcasting from NBC is definitely better than Fox. But when you're at the track, you don't have the television broadcasting company announcing to the fans in the stand. You have either right. MRN radio or PRN radio. So the whole idea that the networks bring their own announcers um, you know that that you know that may change with CW. They may lean more on the broadcasting team uh, that NASCAR already furnishes. NASCAR furnishes the broadcasting team. They pay MRN directly and PRN directly. MRN is connected through uh, the France family and ISC, and PRN is connected through um, SMI. The guy over there, SMI, right? Thank you, Miss Lee. Yeah. So, um, but I, I'm with you guys. I, for generations, have said that I prefer the broadcasting over the radio versus the television. Um, and and like you, Miss Lee, I'm old, and I can name you all the best broadcasters uh, from our time. And the one thing about it is they're all from the radio time, right? So. I I am right. probably more lenient towards that style of announcing and that style of broadcasting than I ever have been the TV model. Um, because even Ken Squire and Ned Jarrett, they had their time on the radio, right? Because there was a time where TV broadcasting was actually extra. Like their original right. broadcasting was for radio, not actually on television. So. You know, no. as we've gotten further away from that, I think that Mike Joy has done a great job. Of course, Mike Joy's been around since the early 80s. 
and his seat is soon to be gone. Rick Allen is the worst play-by-play announcer in the world. There's just, I mean, the guy just like, I cringe at some of the things he says sometimes, especially when he's, you know, it's like the PA announcement about Noah Gregson, right? That was just the most cringiest three minutes that Rick Allen felt like he had to put in there. Like, okay, you know, like everybody else kind of stayed away from it. I think we, and I think that, you know, that the public deserves to know what happened. But, you know, as we're talking about broadcasters here, it just felt crazy, man. Um, I wish that they would at least put together uh, a better broadcasting team uh, for the the network viewers. I do want to throw in before we we lose us for the guests or whatever, but I have listened to to PRN Radio which I believe was the last Monday night race or Monday day race that uh, Truex ended up winning. And Mm -hmm. PRN was pretty good, but there's something about the broadcasters between PRN and MRN. MRN broadcasters literally literally made me glued to the race, even though I wasn't watching it. Yeah, no, MRN, nothing against PRN, but MRN is hands down, way better. Well, and I'll, let me come to PRN's defense. There's one name that stands above the rest, and that's Doug Rice. I think that Doug Rice is amazing. He does a great job. Unfortunately, the, the crew from PRN was a little bit older, I think, than the crew from MRN, as we've added Alex uh, Hayden and Matt, uh, Mike Bagley. and stuff. You know, Mike's been around for, for a good 20 years or so now. But, uh, it, you know, PRN has had guys like Kyle Petty and, and other um, kind of, you know, semi-halfway decent broadcasters, I guess, come through the fold. But Doug Rice is kind of the name for PRN, and he does the PRN uh, weekly racing show. And, and Lenny, uh, Lenny Bazerski, he's another guy that uh, really does a lot of the PRN uh, you know, PRN is heavily involved in uh, the lower series races as well. So they have wing, right. uh, wing sprints and um, um, a lot of the lower series type of racing that they still cover and stuff through PRN. So, you know, I mean, you get what you get on, on either side. Both, I think, are a step above uh, the broadcasting teams that NBC and, and, and uh, Fox bring to the table. And it's nothing against Dale Jr., or anything else, you know, guys, I love him. I love Dale Jr. I love what he's done with Dirty Mode Radio. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it looks, it's no surprise, MRN, PRN, you're going to get a better broadcast uh, from one of those. Let me check here real quick and see. Still no guests in the, in the building. Um, I don't know if we have a contact number or, or what, but, uh, I do know that uh, we have uh, the first topic of discussion tonight, RFK. Um, you know, I don't know what more to really say about RFK. Um, I, I do uh, want to mention that Martin Truex Jr. was probably the fastest car at Michigan. Chris Buescher uh, raced to win that race. Um, he, he proved that he could finish a race. I think that had Busher not had the couple of wins already under his belt, 
that's confidence, right? Do you, do, do you guys agree how he threw the block on Truex? That was confidence. He, he, didn't, he didn't spool his own race. Truex is the one that slipped up. And if Truex hadn't slipped up, I'm not, I, I'm not sure Busher would have won because Truex probably would have eventually got Busher uh, to slide up a little bit or something. But the first one to make a mistake was the fastest car in the field, and that was Martin Truex Jr. Martin Truex Jr. has been on another area in another area code, guys, the last several weeks. Oh, much agreed. I I am full with you. Truex was not only um, the fastest car on the track, um, but he was basically the guy to beat. Uh, one both stages, obviously. Um, and you mentioned Busher raced for the win. Truex obviously raced for the win, too, but Truex was obviously the faster car. And speaking of Truex, um, it was announced Sunday afternoon, I think it was, Sunday evening, um, that Truex has, has signed a one-year extension, so he's not retiring. Yeah, I mean, how could he? Like, right? I mean, did he wake up in February and think, okay, this is the year I'm going to retire? And then all of a sudden, success is falling on his feet again with the win at the Coliseum and then three more wins uh, since then. I mean, uh, you know, at what point in time did a bell go off and say, hey, you know, though I had a disastrous year last year, this year has been quite pleasant. Uh, You can't walk away when you're beating down the wall for another championship because, you know, look, uh, he probably has better odds than anybody uh, at this point in time to win the cup championship. I'm all a proponent, though, for winning and and leaving, right? I mean, the old John Elway, Peyton Manning way, could win you a Super Bowl and and retire. Uh, He's not going to be able to do that. So even if he wins the championship this year, uh, I think if he were to win that championship this year, he would kind of give us a farewell tour next year. But I personally, walking on both sides of the mountain here, don't really feel like Trux is really the farewell type of guy. So, I mean, I, I'm not really sure what you guys are thoughts. I know one damn thing. He's one, he is probably at the top of the Mount Everest right now um, as a guy who uh, you should watch for a championship. What are your thoughts on that, Miss Lee? Well, we've, you know, we've talked before, we've, we've talked before in the past about, you know, the, the effects that his personal life have likely had on his racing. And he's at a point in his life now where he's got a new outlook. And I think that's reflecting in his racing. So, can he contend this year? Most definitely. Will he retire? I kind of doubt it. Because even if he doesn't get the championship, he's still, he, he's riding a high right now. So I, I, I don't see him retiring. Guys, let's put this on hold real quick. Our guest has uh, made his way into the building here. Uh, we don't want to give uh give him any less time than he deserves. Uh so let's go ahead and bring on in Austin Serial. Is that how you pronounce your last name? 
Yes, sir. You uh, you hit it on the first try, which is what people don't normally do. So it's good to be with you tonight. Well, I tell you, I don't normally either. I am probably the world's worst announcer at pronouncing last names, but we did try before you come on. So cool that we hit it. It's great to have you on uh, board here at Race uh, Chat Live, the RCL gang. Of course, I've got Ms. Lee Reed here and Taz, uh, Taz Taylor. Uh, who will join us, uh, who will join in on the conversation as well. Um, also, it looks like you've got some big things coming up. Also, a former Cup Series driver, former ARCA Series winner. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive off in the goodies real quick, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had the pleasure of, of racing for a bunch of, 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 you know, kind of legends in the sport, if you want to call it that. And some of them are a little older, and, and so. some of them are still racing. Um I guess the, the, the highlight for me would have been uh, racing for uh, Kenny Schrader back in 2017. I, I had come, uh, came off of sort of a difficult um, injury uh, when I was racing for Brad Keselowski in the truck series in, two, in 2015. I ended up uh, fracturing my back over, over at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and hit hit a place in the wall that didn't have a safer barrier um and as you can imagine those make a big difference so i was coming off of that injury and and didn't really have a a lot of opportunities because i had i had to give up that seat um because of the injury and it just we lost a bunch of momentum i had built a lot of momentum and a lot of um um just we were you know consistently finishing better every week with with keselowski and and the truck team and the 29 truck, that was the truck that Ryan Blaney uh, um, moved up to the Xfinity Series the year before. So it opened up the, the seat for me, and, and I shared it with, like, Brad and Joey Logano and Blaney and some of the cup guys were coming back and racing. So so to come back in, in 2017 and uh, run for a championship at ARCA with, with Schrader was really a dream come true for me. Um, I remember watching Schrader when I was growing up, and uh, and I, I, him and I have a lot in common. We're, we're, you know, I felt like Schrader was a dedicated guy. He, he obviously loved the sport. Um, and I knew that he, he wanted to he wanted to, to finally get a championship. Uh, and and some of the guys that were working for him at the time were had had been super loyal to him and worked for him for many 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 years and you know they all deserved the championship and and I was fortunate and grateful that we were able to walk away from that cha- from that year with seven wins um, I think we three consecutive wins seven wins total and um, and walked away with the last last ARCA champion uh, before NASCAR bought ARCA if that makes sense I. I with, you know, yeah. NASCAR buying ARCA, I know it's changed a lot and stuff, but we, I'm proud to be able to say I was the last ARCA-only champion, and um, and so that's that's been awesome. And, you know, after that, I, you guys know that racing is a, a pretty pretty hard sport to, to, to stay in. Um, right. And it, sometimes it's like you go from you go from year to year or opportunity to opportunity, and I uh, finally had a great opportunity – that came together um, a couple of years after that, and obviously it, it, it wasn't necessarily with a with a with a cup team that was running up front and had a lot of speed, but it still was an opportunity that had some consistency to it, and we were building some good relationships with sponsors and whatnot. 
Um, and that uh, kind of had another difficult break that year and ended up getting hurt again at Talladega. I think that was October of, of, of that year. And um, then COVID hit and, and uh, right. you know, all the sky, the sky fell down for everybody that year. And a lot of people lost sponsorships yeah. and all of that. So we, um, Oh yeah. 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 Uh, we, we, we actually I, I, interviewed, I certainly... we interviewed the uh, series, the, Director of, not, of competition of Rick Ware Racing, I believe, in 2019. He was the guy that was piecing all of these. What brought our attention to Rick Ware was all of the sponsorships that they were creating. Like all, like everybody was in 2019 saying sponsorships are hard to come by. Sponsorships are hard to come by. And we're looking over here at Rick Ware Racing, and he's like, this guy's like unlimited. Like every week, it's a different sponsor on the on the car. So we we actually reached out to them and brought on one of their guys. And between their paint schemes and their sponsorship opportunities, we were we were quite impressed with the direction at that time Rick Ware was going. So we're we're, we're there with you in that development stage. Yeah, yeah. So it was a good it was a good situation, uh, um, a really good platform because got to keep in mind there's a lot of companies that um they just they're they're maybe small to medium-sized companies who just want to have an opportunity to market to the nascar audience but they're not like fortune 500 companies and they don't have a you know billion dollar marketing budget but they want to have an opportunity and a chance to market so those teams are the ones that um that are really a good fit for for the for like the medium-sized companies and and so that was the case for me um, uh, coming from a, coming from the state of Maine, um, Maine's only got a million people in it. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, as compared to like California, your, 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 your size and, and number of companies is just not comparable. So with the relationships that I had and the people that believed in me as a driver, you know, at the national level, um, it, it, it just was a perfect fit. So grateful for my time there. Um, but you know, I, I guess, I guess you could say the, um, uh, there was other cards at play, and, and so I'm I'm doing a bunch of different things now. Um, that, well, wait a, that, wait a minute. It doesn't have me that behind only, the wheel. But that's what we were going to get to next. If, if, with your time away from the race card, is that when the political thing kind of started, or were you already in the race car when you were uh, thinking about running for representative? How did that come about, just going from the cockpit straight into – uh, a government uh, elected office. So I had always been uh, in, interested in, in politics from a young age. Um, always paying attention, you know, wanted to know what was going on, and and you know, I think it's important for people to know about their government and how it works. But I, uh, the, the minute that racing, the, the racing became more serious, I. I really kind of turned uh, turned the page from politics because I was super focused on being successful as a professional athlete and and making the most of that. But when uh, when COVID happened, obviously there was a lot that had had happened, uh, you know, across the country. And with when COVID was wrapping up, I guess you could say, and and people were starting to move on, it, it just seemed like a good time to 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 begin getting involved again. Um, my home state is a place that I spent quite a few years growing up and 
um, you know, I, I was away for a while exploring the country and seeing all kinds of stuff, all kinds of different states, and being able to travel and see what works and what doesn't work um, gives you a really good idea and gives you a bunch of ideas in, in, in terms of like, hey, here's what we could do in, in, in our state and my home state. Um, so when the opportunity came back up to run for a, a state legislature position, it just seemed like the right time, and uh, and and I wanted to be able to give back to my small to my small community, you know, the community that raised me and uh, made me the, the person that I am, and and so I jumped in with uh, with both feet, and that was 2020. Ended up uh, winning that winning that race with about 70% of the vote, which which is I think a huge accomplishment. Um, we had. We had a lot of bipartisan support, which is hard to come by nowadays. You know, everything's so partisan. It's like you're either one or the other. But we had, you know, independents and Republicans and Democrats supporting the campaign. And now I'm a, I'm a sitting legislator in, in the state and still involved in racing um, at, 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 you know, a, a bunch of different levels, but not driving as much. But I do have a race coming up, so I'm excited about that. And that's where we want to take this. Excuse me. Sorry, Chris. And that's where we want to turn this to Austin is to talk about your upcoming race, the Oxford 250, and the um, charity that you are supporting, the Travis Mills Foundation. Go ahead and tell us all about that. So for for folks that don't know the Oxford 250, um, think about the Snowball Derby, kind of a similar, similar caliper race. Um, Snowball Derby is obviously the, the, the biggest short track race in the country, but there's some crown jewel races that I think people look at, and, and, I, and I do feel like the Oxford 250 is one of them. Think of like Bubba Pollard coming up to run and, and win the Oxford 250, um, and he came up again, and, and, and it didn't end up winning, but just goes to show you that, that this is something that some of, the, some of the biggest short track racers across the country look at. Um, and since it's my home state, I'm obviously – I'm kind of biased to, to running that race, and I looked at the schedule and I said, you know, I want to, I, I just want to do one race this year, and um, we uh, we put a great, really, really good partnership together with with Bar Harbor Bank and Trust, um, you know, a local bank here who's who's really heavily invested in in the New England community and in, in Maine especially, and we said, uh, how can we give back? We want to be able to give back. If I'm going to come out of quote retirement. I want to be able to do something good, and so we put a program together. Um, Bar Harbor Bank and Trust is, is kind of the, the anchor partner for it, but we're going to raise a bunch of money for the Travis Mills Foundation, um, and the Travis Mills Foundation is a, is a, is a foundation that's headquartered in Maine. Um, the, the, the leader of it and the founder of it is Travis Mills himself. He's a quadruple amputee from the Afghanistan War, lost all four limbs in, in, in an in a explosion there, and has – has moved on from that to live a, a really exciting life, an inspirational life that a lot of us can look at and say, and, and just be grateful that, that he, he gave his life, he gave his, his life in service, but he's still around to be an inspiration for all of us. And so we want to raise a bunch of money for him. Um, I've already got like an, an anonymous donor that's, that, that's committed to, to donating up to 50000 Assuming that I, you know, wow. complete all the laps and, and finish in the top five, so that's really exciting, and uh, and so that puts pressure on me to to do that. But we're also going to the public and saying, hey, we want 
we want the regular people involved in this too. And so we're getting donations from uh, businesses. We're getting donations from, you know, from just regular people on the street who, who want to honor Travis and, and be a part of the foundation. And, and I have a website for that. At, at some point I'll, I'll be sure to, to mention it, but I'm really excited about that. Cause I, I, um, I only want to come out of retirement if it's for a good cause. That's great. And can you can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly the foundation does? Absolutely. Because um, Travis had been through so many injuries, he, uh, he understood that for a soldier who's been wounded in battle or wounded in wars post 9/11, so you know Iraq, Afghanistan, you know a couple other, couple other um, conflicts, it can sometimes feel uh, like like you're kind of alone when you're trying to recover, and especially hard for families. Um, so the foundation itself supports getting these these soldiers and their families back on their feet, whether it's you know whether it's financially you know spiritually emotionally physically uh across the board they're they're just there to assist with 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 recalibrating is what they call it recalibrating the 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 veterans to get them in a place where they feel like their life has value and their life has dignity and and to support the families through that process a lot of the families come to maine they have a retreat center uh, up here in maine and the families come here stay stay for an extended period of time and the 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 the, the um, veterans come up as well, and the, the, what what Travis has been able to do is is really give um, give life back to a lot of these a lot of these soldiers who have been wounded in a variety of different ways, not just physically, like I said, mentally. You know, there's emotional wounds that people don't want to talk about, um, veteran suicide, all of that stuff's really important. And Travis and his foundation has been a leader. In, in that space across the country, not just in Maine. Like they, they've got people who have been a part of this program across the country. And so, and so all the money that gets donated to this is going to keep this program going so that families that are in tough spots and, and soldiers who have been affected by, you know, battle scars that you can see and some that you can't see can still come and, and, and have a home and, uh, and get, back, get their life back on track. That's absolutely fantastic. Our uh, founder of the 110 Nation, which is our parent company, um, is a retired Marine. So we, as as a company, are definitely 100% supportive of our men and women in service. So this is really a great, great, great time or great timing to be able to help promote this race. Tell us a little bit more about the track and, and, and the race itself. The, the track uh, is, a, is a third mile, really flat track located in, in uh, kind of southern Maine. Um, for, for those that don't really know where, that, where Oxford Plains is, it's, it's about an hour north of Portland about two hours north of Boston, uh, maybe three hours north of Boston. And uh, it, it's, it's actually a track that h- had hosted NASCAR races back in the day, um, believe it or not. NASCAR, oh, wow. I think Richard Petty and, and those guys came up, came up and raced back, maybe like Winston North or, 
I, I, I can't remember the name of the series, but you know we're talking is many it, years is it ago. Like the Grand so, Nash, is it like the Grand National yeah. series? Yes, yes. Okay, I yeah. know what you're so, talking about the, because yeah, I know what you're talking about because um, my home track. I'm from New York, by the way. Um, used to have well, you might know it being a Northeast guy, the Fonda 200 that used to be a NASCAR race where I think uh, one or two of the Allisons and Petty have won it multiple times, but keep going. Yeah, so it's uh, it's coming up on the 27th of August, and, you know, one of the one of the kind of exciting but challenging things about that race is you've got people, you've got, a, you've got like 30 to 40 really strong late model teams in Maine. Maine's got a fairly decent, uh, 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 as far as like just, Decent uh, amount of strong late model teams that run, and, and going sure. and showing up just to an yep. average late model Plenty race is difficult. It's difficult to win. Mm-hmm. So you add you add the fact that this is the Oxford 250, which is which is a race that a bunch of people from across the country come up to and want to win. You've got 60 or 70 cars trying to qualify for you know the, a field half the size of that. So a bunch of good people are going to go home. Um, and the other unique thing about the race is they don't have time trials. They have heat races, and and, and how do you, how do they and how do they figure out how where you're going to start in the heat race? You draw out of a hat. You draw pills out of a hat. So, you know, if you draw pill one, you're going to start pole of the first heat. If you draw pill ten, you might start you know pole of the second heat, or you could maybe start last in the first heat, depending on how many cars they have in the heats, right? Um, so there's just so much uncertainty around qualifying and so many people stress about, about getting into the race because you just never know. It comes down to where you draw, how many good cars are in your heat race, and uh, it's not necessarily the fastest cars that get it in, get in, the, in the show. It's sometimes the, the cars that were They're either in the job. easiest heat or, or if, yeah, if you stayed out of trouble or you know, maybe you got collected in a wreck or something in one of the heats, all of a sudden you're now you're racing the Concy, starting in the back of the Concy, you're you've got a tough hill to climb to come back so it's it's a very challenging weekend to be uh to make the race to obviously win the race is is tough um there's 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 lap money to be won so the winner could could walk away with 50,000 if they lead all the laps uh 25,000 to win so it's it's a, it's a good money race it's it's uh it's it's a exciting race the the fans are are great they pack the stands they pack the pits and uh, and then you know the cherry on the top for us is just the Travis Mills Foundation and um, and you know we're going to have a bunch of people from from Bar Harbor Bank and Trust there because they they're they're funding part of the deal to be able for us to to raise money for Travis and his foundation. So I'm I'm excited to to just to just get get back on the racetrack and uh, and getting a late model for first time in about three or four years. Do you have an entry list yet? Are there any other big names in the late model world coming up for this race besides yourself? Uh, that's a good question. I uh, I would I would check the uh, pro all star the pro all star series is is the um, is the series that's putting it on and they 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 have they have an entry list which is which is public. Um, and I, and I'd be curious, you know, to know myself, I, I don't think there's any cup drivers that are coming up. Um, I know in years past, like 10 years ago, they used to have like Kyle Busch came up and won the race. Uh, uh, has been up there before, you know, uh, uh, I think Harvick won the race, came up 
I don't remember what year, but he's won that race. So it's it's been a big enough event to where those guys sometimes come up. But uh, um, regardless of who's there or if there's anybody that's that's a big nationally known driver, I can promise you that the winner is probably going to be somebody who who's seen Oxford and ran laps there before because that track is so unique that the uh, home track people ha- definitely have the have the advantage. All right, very good. And um, uh, just curious, how did your relationship with the Travis Mills Foundation start? The first time that I actually ran uh, and promoted Travis's foundation was twenty was I believe twenty nineteen when I was doing the cup uh, races for Rick Ware. We had done some um, we had done some promotion and felt that we wanted to, to do the same thing that we're doing now. We wanted to showcase Travis and, and the work of his foundation. So, you know, my personal relationship with him goes back several years. And since his found you know, since the retreat center is actually located in Maine and Travis and his family live up here, um, you know, it's a small world and we've stayed in touch. So it was a no brainer right. for me knowing that I was going to come back and race that we wanted to hitch the horses back up and, and make another stab at raising some money for him. That's great. And I have to tell you, Rick Ware used to be a regular guest back in the day when the 110 Nation was first starting out, and he's a great guy. Yeah, he is, and you know, he's got – Go ahead. Well, I was just say he's got himself involved in all kinds of different racing uh, uh, racing series now. Yeah, and I I well, often wonder if he doesn't if he doesn't have himself spread a little too thin. But it, it, as a person, I, I can vouch that he's he's just a really great guy. There is another connection. Uh, He said Ken Schrader, and, of course, Ken Schrader was connected to kind of the creator of this show, Steve Billmeyer. Um, So uh, kind of a walk down memory lane. We're we're kind of familiar with the Kenny Schrader show and and his longtime friends. And uh, Steve Billmeyer was uh, the creator of uh, Racing with Big Sweat that became Race Chat Live after Steve passed passed away. But – uh, we we do have a little bit of connection in with uh, with Kenny as well. Um, to bring things back to perspective real quick, Austin, it's definitely an interesting career. You've driven for Junior Motorsports. You've driven for Brad Keselowski. Um, you were touted as a, a pretty you know uh, impressive driver. Uh, where, if you had to go back again, did you make did you make all the right moves and it just didn't work out? The injury is that really what held the racing career back? Um, I, I kind of feel like that may have been the beginning of where things kind of became unraveled. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's tough to look back, and and it's I guess it's it's tough to look back, but maybe easy to look back and say uh, you you didn't always make the right moves. But that's the nature of anything, any any business. If you're involved in starting any business or a professional athlete, professional uh, a person yeah. that's trying to make the right moves and I I guess the uh you could say that injuries were were 
partially responsible or fully responsible for for making it more challenging but yet you know you can come back and and also say that that set the groundwork for me meeting Kenny Schrader and going and and having basically a record-breaking season in ARCA for him um with with this with those seven wins and then you know the best average finish uh I think in in at least the last 50 years in ARCA um as well as the only driver that's 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 won all at all different configurations of tracks in one in one year. There's there, there's there's just a lot of great memories and great things that happened. Um, I think I think when you look at how how it went down, you know, back in in uh, my final year, it, it would have been nice to uh, uh, sort of leave on. Uh, on your own terms, if that makes sense. Uh, you know, without that final injury, I, I would have been able to, to finish out the season and, and um, you know, potentially come back for more. But but then you got to think about like think about uh, what I'm doing now and some of the some of the the you know honorable work that I've been trusted to do for my constituents back here in Maine. That probably wouldn't yeah. wouldn't have happened either. So. Um, it, it's all it's all a balance and all a give and take. So, putting it in perspective, I would say uh, it, it's all worked out fine, and um, I'm confident that uh, however it's supposed to work out is the way it's going to work out. Well, what brings me to the follow-up question is the success of Josh Berry. I have felt for many years we've given up on young talent way too fast. Josh Berry is the perfect example of a driver that was given an opportunity in the beginning. Things just did not work out. But here's the resurgence again 10 years later and what Barry's been able to accomplish. Do you feel like you might still have a little bit of Josh Barry left in you? Here's what, I, here's what I'll say about, about Josh Barry. I think, he's, <laughs> um, I, think, I think he's opened up people's eyes, like you said, that uh, our sport is – our sport has trended to, in a direction that that's moving up these drivers way too quickly, and and moving them up in a, in, at a in a place where they're not ready for the well they're not ready for the pressure they're not ready for it's not that they're not ready for the pressure they're not ready for the opportunity, um, and they're not always grateful for the opportunity and I think that sets a a, a really troubling um, uh, uh, sort of precedent for the sport especially that everybody realizes that the, the, the old days were the, were the golden days when you had the guys that were, that were cutting their teeth at short tracks and they didn't make their cup starts till they're 30, 35. Um, they had built a, a fan base locally and regionally. And so when they came on the scene, they already had a fan base and people were like, yeah, I'm rooting for that guy. Cause he's, 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 he's from my state or he's, he's a guy that I, I remember watching when I was growing up. And now all of a sudden you've had, you have drivers making their cup starts, and they they barely run a year of of whatever. They they maybe didn't even run a year of late models, or they 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 didn't run a year of of trucks. They just bounce around. And I'm not blaming I'm not blaming those drivers. That's just the nature of where the sports at. And and sometimes I actually advise drivers to like skip around and don't waste too much time at the short track level because because there's so much pressure on them to move up. But I think that's I think that's where NASCAR and is going to have to step in and start to reshape the sport um, 
and 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 start building a, a foundation that's a little bit more solid. Let's let's build some let's build some names in trucks. Let's build some names in ARCA. Let's build some names at the at the short track level, so so that um, so that these drivers can start getting a fan base before they get the cup, because oh Lord it, preach. It's um, it's the grassroots that make that made NASCAR where it is today, and if we and if we tear up the grassroots uh, just for the sake of making money at the high levels, what we're going to be left with left with is uh, is a is a sport Media. that's that's Brilliant. not based off of talent. It's based off of money, and that's not what we want. It's certainly not. It's I don't think it's too far gone is where I'm trying to get at. I I I I I think there's a bunch of different ideas on where what we could do to to change that but maybe maybe it's a balance of a lot of things but i certainly think it's a it's a minimum age or at least a minimum um a minimum resume or something to where like you know what if you're going to do cup you have to at least run a a year of of arca or a year of trucks or something because it's it's just otherwise it's it's a it's a house of cards and that's not good awesome i love you what does it take to make sure that you are prepared for the Oxford 250, being that you've been outside of the race car a little bit? How do you prepare for that race, knowing that there's so much surrounding that specific event? Well, we're going to test. We're going to go and do a, a, a you know a test day and and try a bunch of different things on the car. You know, luckily I've I've got a bunch of laps there. I probably have you know thousands, I don't know, thousands of laps maybe at that track. So. It's um, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be able to get up to speed and, and not have an issue there. But uh, the, as far as how to prepare, I guess we just got to make sure that the, the, the wheels are tight, the, you know, the shocks are, <laughs> are on tight. We don't have anything crazy mechanical that goes wrong. Um, but no sim it comes time. down to, yeah, no sim time. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know if I'm going to do any eye racing because I, I, my eye racing stuff's broke. Uh, so I think I'm just going to oh, jump man. in and, and, uh, and, and just let it go, but hope the, um, hope the, the draw works out fine. And, and that's where I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful because the draws, the draw can either make or break your whole weekend. And that's interesting because the one thing that I'm completely against is boring the fan with qualifying. And I think that that's part of the problem that we could get into a million times of discussion. But fans want to see racing, and they like to see the fast guy start from the back, or they like to see their guy put into opportunities to watch him perform. Uh, So many times these days we go to a racetrack, we have qualifying and heat races, and you're like, well, wait a minute. What are we having heat races for if we had qualified? And so it's always the fastest guy, always, all the way down the line to the feature. I like the idea of the field draw. I like the idea that maybe you have to work a little bit harder. You have to stand up on the wheel. I feel like that brings a better show. Late model racing is definitely um, on the rise, I feel, especially with flow racing and these other outlets to be able to finally watch uh, these types of venues. Have you found any interest in watching uh, the, these late model venues as they've become more popular uh, with your spare time? The uh, the interesting thing that I, I think is going on in the late model world is is some of the some of the NASCAR guys are, are paying attention and and Harvick and those guys buying the cars tour, for an example, 
is a good sign. And that goes back to what I was, what we were just talking about. The the fact that you've got people rushing through late model racing just to get to cup. And, uh, and I believe Kevin and those guys are realizing that they've, we've got to invest at the short track level. If, if we're going to keep the sport, uh, strong and, uh, and you see money coming in, you see, you know, advertise advertisers coming in, you see broad, uh, broadcast coming in. And so, yeah, I, I, I do follow it more now. And I, I think it's great that some of the, some of the people who benefited from the money that came into NASCAR are reinvesting at the grassroots level of the sport. And I think it's a tragedy that, and I'm not naming names because it's, it probably we're all guilty of it, but I think it's a tragedy that the people that made the most money from, from their, from the break, um, their break in NASCAR have, have invested the least amount in the grassroots level of the sport, because that's what made them the drivers that they are. And uh, the very least that all of us could do is, is invest at the grassroots level, whether it's dirt or, or asphalt or late models or whatever. Put, let's put money and resources and attention back at the short tracks because if we don't do that, the short tracks are going to be gone and we're just going to have a bunch of paid drivers, uh, meaning, meaning just a bunch of drivers that are writing a big check, running cup, and, and, and that's going to be very bad for the sport. So we've got to, ha- we've got to strike a balance and uh, – my comparison is I grew up next to a potato field and I picked potatoes when I was a kid uh, by hand. And, and we used to, you know, but, but the long story short is, is the farmer knew that some, some years he, he couldn't plant because if you take too many nutrients out of the soil, it's not going to be good down the road. And so if we, if we continue to, to, to just take money um, from the top levels of the sport and don't spread it down at the lower levels and invest in, in, right. the, in the grassroots levels, then, then how do we expect things to keep growing? And so, we've 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 got to keep that in perspective. We've got to treat we've got to treat this like a like a long term investment. And and so hopefully NASCAR and the drivers and the people who have who have made it good and have benefited from the fans investing their hard earned money to come watch a NASCAR race um, are are rewarded because we're investing in their local communities at their local short tracks and helping make names and heroes for the young kids that want to become NASCAR drivers or, or, or you know, professional drivers themselves. Up until Kevin Conway, I said that there was not a driver that you would see in NASCAR that wasn't at somebody's local track at some point or period in their career. Unfortunately, I've yet to find out if Kevin Conway actually did any racing outside of the Cup Series to get where he was, but that's on another story to another note. Uh, Miss Lee. Now, I just wanted to say, Austin, I, I so totally agree with you that they're moving these drivers up way too fast. I've been preaching that for years. Um, you know, it, it, it just drives me nuts because I, I personally have been heavily invested in um, – interviewing and getting to know ARCA drivers. And they're they're just even even before NASCAR bought ARCA, they were moving people up way too fast in my opinion. And so I agree with you a hundred percent there. Um I think that uh you know with with 
uh, Harvick investing in uh, was it late models and and things like that. There's there is hope there that we can start to see drivers coming up based on talent versus who can bring the sponsors. So I, I think you know I think bringing in a Harvick and that ownership group is really going to go back to what Dawson was saying there, help make sure that we are uh, getting the right drivers for these rides and not, uh, not, not just, you know, who's got the fattest check to write. Um, Taz Taylor, I do believe that you have a, a quick question for Austin before we let him go. Yeah. Austin, you mentioned something about focus on the, the grassroots racing, the short track style, regardless of dirt, asphalt, whatever it may be. Um, and, of course, you know, rushing drivers up um, too soon or drivers that are getting opportunities, are they grateful for it and stuff like that. Do you believe, um, and I'll even throw in the NASCAR weekly series deal that happens with all these uh, local short tracks, do you believe SRX, that series there that obviously uh, connections with Kevin Schrader, and Tony Stewart, do you think they're hitting the mark of, you know, exposing more of these short track um, racing deals, bringing in drivers that um, may have had the opportunity and also getting a second chance or maybe drivers that never found the opportunity or taken uh, advantage of it? Um, I'll use Haley Deegan maybe, for example, or the, probably the best one I should really say is Ernie Francis Jr. and Doug Kobe to throw in a local flavor there too. That's a good question. I, I went to an SRX race last year with a friend. It was a dirt race, and uh, I thought it was interesting. I, I, I thought I thought the advantage maybe that that series has is, is they go to some tracks where um, – the hospitality is is really cool. Like you 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 can get right in the action if you're if you have like a VIP ticket or if you're um, uh, you, you can basically buy access and and it, it's it's almost like um, what kind of what NASCAR used to be if that makes sense before it really became a little bit more commercialized. And uh, right. the other advantage that I think SRX has is you you've, you've got you've still got like you've got some veterans who have, who have following and have, and have good names. Um, they're attracting the fans that maybe, maybe stopped watching NASCAR whenever their, their favorite driver retired. And so it's, it's probably a good way to keep these fans involved in the sport. Um, that's one of the challenges that, that we have going for, for us in NASCAR. And I say us, meaning like I, I feel included in that because I, I, I'd certainly, have left the driver's seat, but I still feel a passion for seeing it be successful, um, is how do you pass the baton on from a veteran to a rookie? Um, and I don't think we found the, the, the answer to that. So in the meantime, keeping these drivers, some of these veterans on the track in a, in a really kind of fun and exciting format, you know, the SRX races are shorter. The, they're not, you know, the races are not as long and, and you, you, there's just there's just a different flow to them. I think it's a it's a great way to keep to keep race fans from the past involved, as well as maybe even attracting some new some new race fans, like you had mentioned, 
um, into motorsports, and eventually they may become NASCAR fans, or or they just they just might they just might be just casual fans. But either way, um, a, a new motorsports fan is better than none at all. So I'll I'll take any any series that's that's trying to to think outside the box to create new mo- uh, motorsports fans is um, is a success in my book. Now, one follow-up question would be, is there any interest of you maybe running a six weeks or at least a one-off for that series? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I, I've never been approached about it. Um, how, how about this? If, if I do get asked, I'll cross that bridge. Um, but they've got to ask me first. <laughs> So, so we'll see. I, I'm trying to think of what track. Maybe I could do – what do they race? Don't they race at Stafford? Um, yeah, Stafford. Uh, yeah, yeah, Stafford, I guess. Yeah, 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 yep. Thunder Road, I could do Thunder Road. And, and you know, the, the funny story is um, – so the, the, the governor of Vermont is Phil Scott. He, I used to race against him when I, was a, when I was coming up through the late model ranks. And so it was interesting. He was, a, I think, a state senator or a state representative at the time. So he's, a, he's another race car driver turned politician, and he's been a good, good inspiration for me. He still races from time to time at Thunder Road and, uh, um, you know, just, just an overall good guy. But I, I thought it was interesting because he, he had a similar backstory and um, leaving, leaving racing and, and going into politics. And SRX will be going to Thunder Road next year since they flooded out this year. They committed to that. Um, So maybe we can see Austin run there. Yeah, that would be great. I'll go as far as as posting on Twitter and tagging every single, you know, I'll try try tagging Hawk and uh, SRX. See if we can squeeze it in there, Austin. Get Kip Childress. Well, we'll, we'll see if it works. Yeah. So let's get real back, uh, real quick back to the fundraiser, back to this race, and we'll let you leave with your final thoughts. Yeah, that's a good place to end. I, I was going to say let's uh, let's end on a positive note and kind of just follow back up with uh, with what we're doing for for Travis Mills and the foundation. Um, I'm 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 asking you know anybody that 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 believes in the cause of of, of helping these uh, wounded soldiers and their families get back on their feet and recalibrated um, to go to my website at uh, austinterriocom slash Oxford 250 and uh, considering donating any, anything, you know, small, big to, to Travis, all hundred percent of that money is going to Travis. There's a link on that page that goes directly to Travis's uh, uh, fundraiser link. And so there's no middleman. There's nobody collecting money. There's no pass and go, it all goes to Travis and and um, really trying to raise a bunch of money for him. I'd, I'd like to raise, you know, 50000 Um and I think we can get there, but it's 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 going to have to come from regular people like you and I that are giving $5, $10, $20, $50, whatever, because um, every little bit makes a difference. I know it costs $50,000 a week for them to run, for, for them to do the services that they provide. So, so if we can cover a week. Of, of services for those for 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 the for the soldiers and their families, um, that's that's accomplishing a lot. Right, that's amazing. I definitely make sure that I make my donations. I hope that you guys around the panel decide to make yours as well. Give us where we make that donation at one more time. There, of course, also. 
Yeah. Um, if you search my name or you type in www.austinterio.com slash Oxford250, um, that'll bring you right to the web page where you can click on donate and and then um, it'll it'll forward off to to the Travis Mills Foundation um, donation link. So I will um, if it, if it's helpful, what I can also do is is post that link on my Facebook page, right up on top on top uh, pin, pinned on top of my Facebook page. So if you go to Austin Terrio and uh, and follow me on Facebook. Um, you'll 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 see me on there, Austin Terrio. I've got like thirty five thousand people, and if you just follow me and and go click on that link, I'll post as soon as I get off the phone with you guys. I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to pin that link to my Facebook page, and All we right. will post it on our Facebook page as well. Yep. So it's great. been great having you on, Austin. Uh, we want to follow up appointment to make sure that uh, you had a good race and all. Uh, we'd like to touch bases with you again down the road if that's cool with you. Uh, but we appreciate you coming on board here and uh, sharing with us the uh, the opportunity that you're having and, of course, the foundation that you're raising money for and what that foundation is for. Um, it's very informative, and uh, I hope that uh, we can do our part in helping this succeed for you. Um, last question, So, is there any uh, significance behind the car number of your race car for this race or – is this a, a borrowed car from somebody else? What what is the deal? What is the deal with the race car that you're driving? I actually sold my my late model that I had <laughs> a couple of years ago, and uh, and so the, so I'm working with a gentleman out of Vermont, uh, Derek Ming. He's uh, he's got a Dale a Dale Shaw car, um, and so I'm going to be racing for him and, the, and and sort of his family team grateful for for you know him opening up his seat for me to run um i sold all my equipment i'm i'm kind of getting out of it getting out of the the owning of cars and trailers and all that stuff and uh it's a lot easier for me to just show up and and drive even though i enjoy working in the shop and i'm gonna go help the guys work on work on the car and get it ready and stuff you know that way i that way i don't have to worry about you know trailer leaking in the winter time and you know car sitting around and, and not being used. This this car is a good car. It's got a track record, and uh, hope we can get it back in victory lane. But thanks for having me on the show, and appreciate uh, everything that you all are doing for racing. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thank Austin you, Austin. Perry. Thank you. 2017 ARCA Series champion, the last of the actual ARCA Series um, 2018 was the beginning of the NASCAR partnership uh, with him. Uh, so he is the last one to win. He's driven for uh, Junior Motorsports, and uh, now he's raising money uh, for an upcoming race at the Oxford 250. Uh, we appreciate everything uh, that uh, Austin brought to the table there, and uh, we look forward to having him back on in the future. So we'll move right back on into our segment uh, with the uh, where we were talking about this past weekend's race. Uh, first of all, great interview, guys. Y'all did amazing. Good job. Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, let's get uh, right back into the wheelhouse. I believe we were discussing Martin Church Jr. and his fast high ride they had. Um, I, I think we've covered 
uh, Chris Buescher. Let's get into the championship implications. I think we've kind of already started here. Um, obviously, um, you know, Chris Buescher winning back-to-back could make a big change in the way the standings are. I think we've seen this last year, though, with Kevin Harvick. He won this race and then the next race. Um, so, and it really didn't have any significant meaning towards him in a championship season. Um, are we, we've got four races to go, three races to go, right? Three races to go. Are we going to see much change here? Obviously, Terry Elliott had a wreck. He's probably hurt himself. Uh, he's going to have to win to get in. Alex Bowman had problems as well. Um, there's still a few guys, you know, when you say race wars, I say A.J. Allmendinger. Um, but there is some other drivers, maybe Austin Cindric, who can race his way in. What, where are we at right now in this championship standings? I'm going to start with you, Chaz. So we know for a fact with these, um, we know for a fact with the final races coming up, obviously 16 drivers qualify for the playoffs. And we were at the point, um, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, well, actually, I should say, well, let me take a step back. Before Richmond, we were looking at the possibility of we could see more than 16 drivers win a race, which meant that if you won, if you've only won one race, you were not really safe. Then when Chris Busher won at Richmond, the talks all of a sudden, you know, changed. Now all of a sudden we're guaranteed 16 different winners at least. Um and getting 16 drivers into the playoffs. And with Busher repeating this week, now we're guaranteeing ourselves at least one driver will get into the playoffs based on points, which I believe as we speak right now, we're looking at either Kevin Harvick or Brad Keselowski getting in on points. Um, If if we were to, say, get 15 winners um, to end the regular season. At the moment right now, we're looking at Harvick. Harvick is basically – Harvick right now sits with 663 points, which according to the current playoff standings, that's good for plus 180. above the cut line. Keselowski is just under uh, is at 168. So he's he's about 12, so he's 12 points back behind Harvick. So if you go if you want to go further back, you have Bubba Wallace who is a plus 58. So I mean, really, we're looking ideally right at Harvick or Brad Keselowski. If neither one of these two drivers get into the playoffs with a win in these next three races, one of those two are going to be getting in off points. Um, And as for everybody else, everybody's basically in a win-you're-in scenario, but um, and it's not looking good for guys that we normally would see in the playoffs that are on the outside looking in, and to name a couple, the two that stick out the most is Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott. 
I was just going to say, you got to mention the elephant in the room, Chase the Face. He is in a must-win situation. So what's NASCAR going to do to help that out? Well, her hand may be tied on this one, y'all. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Well, he's just not running well. You can give him the biggest motor. You can give him the best uh, chance to win. And I think that, you know, going into one of these road courses, he's going to have exactly what we just said. But if his confidence level is not, I think he's going to get his ass handed to him by some of these guys, some of these overseas drivers. There's no way that I feel Chase Elliott is the number one or number two guy uh, on the road course, rolling up into what we've known in the past has been favorable for uh, for this driver, for Chase Elliott. I mean, you know, I think in any other year, we would be like, oh, well, there's without a doubt. Now, I- I'm not even sure he's the best road course racer in his own organization. I, I-, I think Willie B has made tremendous strides and-, and could possibly, uh, you know, not counting uh, Kyle Larson, you know, who's one at race courses as well. So I think it's a little bit harder. I think that the organization itself, Kendrick, will uh, make it as easy as possible. I did see Kyle Larson was asked kind of a question of how they were going, how they were preparing themselves to race Chase Elliott, and he was very articulate on, on bouncing around that question and was basically like, yeah, I mean, we'll do what we can to help, you know. Um, but, um, you know, he's got to be there in the in, in the end, and I'm just not sure Chase Elliott is there. I think that we're finally seeing um, some uh, a kink in the armor uh, from this driver. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that uh, I think will help Chase Elliott later on in his career. Whether or not, you know, I've said this from day one, and I will say it right here before I pass the baton. I don't think Chase Elliott will end his career in the motorsport. Okay, dead air. I didn't mean to surprise everybody. Dead air? No, say that. Say that again, Chris. I don't think I don't. I, I mean, I don't think Chase Elliott is going to finish his career. At Engine Motorsports, I think that he's going to get the, you're not giving me the best equipment. It's not going to be me. It's going to be you. That's Chase. And that's that's why he's suffering right now. Because it's not me. It's you. You're the problem, not me. But we know that Chase is having some serious issues behind the wheel. And I think it's confidence. This kid has had everything given to him up until Kyle Larson being signed into Hendrick Motorsports. We didn't know that Jimmy Johnson was going to be better than Jeff Gordon. We didn't even know who the hell Jimmy Johnson was. He didn't take long for us to find out. But we knew Kyle Larson was a badass. You brought him into an organization that Chase Elliott felt that he uh, he was the he was the grandmaster. He was the he he was the baton. Like he was the guy. He was. He was the network. And then you brought in Larson, and he's never recovered from that, y'all. And so this injury is only... You 
propelled this into you really, the even worse. You really think that Chase is the redheaded stepchild of Hendrick? <laughs> no, I feel like in his mind he will be though. In his mind he will be. Because because it's not it's not me, it's you. And I feel like that's the type right. of attitude Chase Elliott has. It's not me, it's you. I'm not the problem, you're the problem. And as long as he looks through those rose-colored glasses, he's not going to figure it out that he has to change himself to be a better race car driver. This is similar to Dale Jr. Dale Jr. had a moment of reckoning where he had to ask himself, am I as good as I think I was? Because I sucked for a long time. And I think that this is that moment. And will Chase be able to overcome? I believe so. Like, I believe he has enough talent and enough thick skin to overcome this. But it's going to be challenging for the next couple of years to see how he handles the pressure, knowing he's not the best driver in his own garage. I brought this to the table two years ago when Kyle Larson was winning all those races. I know, Taz Taylor, you remember that. I know you remember that, Miss Lee. Well, this is two years later, and there's been a lot of kinks in the armor. There's been a lot of coming to Jesus. Who's won a championship? Larson. Who's the hottest driver in the Hendrick garage right now? Byron. None of this points to Chase Elliott. That's got to be his soul in half. He is NASCAR's most liked driver. And he's following as similar forces as Dale Earnhardt, though. Dale Earnhardt Jr. I may be loud and obnoxious, but I'm telling you, Chase is more, this is more than a leg injury. This is a confidence factor. Well, I think he would have had a good run at Michigan had, you know, it's been not happening because it seems like early on he really was, you know, trying to push the factor, trying to grab as many points as possible. He probably, I'm sure he knew he was not the fastest driver um, at Michigan, but he knew the situation he was in, which was basically I have to win to get in, but at the same time I have to try to gain as many points as possible, uh, being that I've missed, you know, so many races. And it really showed, and now, I mean, the pressure is really getting on, not only in the facts of this sense of um, that he's not number one at Hendricks because right now he's probably number three being um, Larson and Byron or one and two, and we can make the argument of who's really number one and who's really number two, and that can, and that can really go either way between Byron or Larson right now. But with what with Elliot right now, it's seeming like he's number three, and he's got the pressure of that. He could be, uh, he could be as to Chris has mentioned, but he now he's under the pre- under the pressure of he may not be able to make the playoffs. And as much as we can sit here yeah. and say NASCAR is going to find a way to make it make it work, what if there's a way NASCAR can't? Um, at that point, right. Chase Elliott's gonna gonna yeah. live under the pressure of, oh shiznit, you know I gotta make, I'm not in the playoffs. What do I do? 
Right. That just builds more pressure into the following season. You, you know, I, I think that Dale Jr. had a cheated car in 2001 in July. I think that Dale knew that he had a cheated car, and that kind of gave him the confidence there at the end to be able to pass everybody for the win. He said it, you know, a few times there after Dale Jarrett has made a couple of comments as well that, you know, that people just really wasn't racing Jr. that hard for the win. And then you go to the 2011, I think it was at Daytona when he was in the number three car uh, in the Xfinity Series. You know as well as I do, that car had everything in it that it needed to win, but it took the driver to put it there to get the win. Um, you, you know, and so it's going to take – I'm not saying I – don't, I don't really know if I think NASCAR is going to come in and try to make it a better path for Chase Elliott. But given certain cautions and, and whatnot, I, I do feel like they'll fall in favor of Chase any way possible because he is the face of the racing series. Though I, I think we have so many other characters now that uh, we can involve um, as being the true face, Watermelon Man, and my amigo. Um, you know, we're actually getting nicknames again in the sport, guys. I mean, that, we're literally getting nicknames again. Um, and, and so I'm not sure if Chase uh, would be at the top of the board for those. As a matter of fact, it will be the greatest day in NASCAR history when Chase Elliott doesn't win the most uh, – uh, popular driver award, um, and, and I really feel like if everybody decided just to vote for Kyle Busch, even though they don't like him, um, that, that that would help kind of really just kick Chase Elliott out of this racing series. I think he'd go retire if, uh, if he lost to Kyle Busch as the most uh, popular driver. Honestly, this year, I think Kyle Busch has been more popular than Chase Elliott, so if Chase Elliott somehow wins the most popular driver award, um, at the end of the year, I'm going to feel like it's rigged because, I, I, I mean, you, nobody's booing the bow. So if you're not booing the bow, then you must be a fan. And if Kyle Busch has turned all these boos into cheers, who's got to be the, the most uh, popular driver in racing right now? But back to the chase, you know, I think that we've spent more time than we should even talking about this guy, as I said before. He's not – he may be the third-best driver in his organization. Um, does, will it, does it work good for NASCAR if Chase wins at either Indy or Watkins Glen? Absolutely. Does it tarnish the others and their chances for a championship? Absolutely. Kyle Busch is not happy that he won a championship in a year where he didn't race half the races because there's an asterisk beside it, right? Any racer, they don't want the asterisk, man. And we know Kyle Busch is, thank God he won a second championship, right? Because if he just had that one championship, I don't think that he would be fulfilled with the true meaning of winning a championship. This is NASCAR's altered way to a championship. It's not a true championship. And if Chase Elliott somehow benefits from this rigged way, then I feel like he's going to be similar to Kyle Busch. It's not something that he's going to you know, look back on and cherish that moment. Hey, I made, look at here, I made the chase after being out of the car for seven, eight weeks. And then plus this guy got suspended for a race for rough driving. And NASCAR approved uh, a, a waiver. Like, who does that? Who gets suspended for behavioral issues and then still gets a waiver to go race for a championship? And, and there again, once again, the behavioral issue may have actually cost him a chance to make the playoffs in on points. 
I'm ready for somebody else to take the wings here. Taz, just uh, leave. He's he's chomping at the bit to get in. I think we just move on from this topic. Oh, we have beat it in the ground. Just beat it, beat it. Silly season. John Hunter Nemechek, I guess, is going to the 42. Noah Gregson was fired this morning, uh, and then he was unfired. Uh, what's going on here? Does anybody have a definite? What, what's going on here? Yeah. First of all, we didn't even get into the whole sensitivity crap. We didn't even get into the fact that this guy liked a meme from like five years ago, three years ago, during a time where everybody was kind of screwed up in the head anyway, and the whole world seemed to be coming to an end. Um, are we putting too much into this? Because honestly, I wouldn't have suspended the driver. Maybe I'm insensitive. Maybe I'm a creep. Um, I don't see no harm, no foul in any of this. I feel like this was just an easy way uh, to get Noah out of the race car because uh, basically they were Toyota said, we done fired this guy one time, we don't want him back. I would like to know your thoughts, of course, whether or not you believe this is an actual issue whether or not you believe there should be sensitivity, uh, 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 a counseling involved in this. I really want you guys to get in depth. Um, I'm going to tell you, Tad, explain to me what you honestly feel about this whole Noah Gregson and Legacy Motor Club situation and the fact that they were the ones that suspended him, and now NASCAR has gotten involved, and he will have to go to uh, 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 sensitivity training along with the news that he was fired earlier today, and then that was retracted. So, depending on... So, we all knew Legacy is going to Toyota. So, at that point, you sat there and thought, Gregson and Jones, um, next year, by the way, those two were going to be, you know, safe, bound, and whatnot. And then you sit here, and then all of a sudden, um, I saw the post that Legacy Motor Club had suspended Noah Gregson for at least Michigan. And then we all, and of course, some people are like, what? What do we miss? And stuff like that. And it's going around that Noah Gregson liked some tweet or whatever um, that happened back a few years ago and whatnot. And, or not some tweet, some some meme on Instagram it was. And it got around. Um, obviously, one reporter uh, mentioned it to somebody, and then it spread. And obviously, Legacy Gonda took it into their hands and did what they need to do. Then it took into NASCAR. NASCAR um, took it into their own hands. I feel like it's just, it's kind of touchy because, like, I feel like him, in a sense, as a person, you know, it's, I guess what you could say as, like, a person, you know, it's him just trying to be him, um... If he found something, you know, that's funny, you know, he's going to like it. I mean, like, I mean, like we do, you know, we find something 
on Facebook or we find something on Twitter or TikTok, whatever, we find it funny and what do we do? We we like and share it or we just like it, you know, whatever. Um, and unfortunately with how today's day and age, with how sensitive you people can be with certain things, um, and especially when it comes to celebrities and pro athletes or whatever, we saw what happened with Larson and Gregson, unfortunately, um, has now fallen into suit with that. I feel like a a small suspension, in a sense, would have been fair if you did. Obviously, there's going to be sensitivity training involved, um, not of that, but if depending on which, and also if you depending on um, which reporter you ask, um, if you ask Jordan Bianchi of the Athletic. Um, it was reported that Legacy and Noah Gregson have officially parted ways after this season should Gregson's suspension lift before the season ends. Um, in terms of, if you ask Jim Utter, I'm trying to remember where he's from, he puts out that the that Legacy and Gregson have not parted ways. Kind of like, is he really is he really let go? Is he really not? I don't know. But of course, we all knew the speculation once we heard the news that Toyota basically didn't want Gregson because they want John Hunter Nemechek up there. Um we all knew some day, sometime Gregson was gonna get the door or the boot I should say and insert John Hunter Nemechek. Um, It was just a matter of time, you know. Obviously, nothing's been officially announced yet in terms of who's taking over the 42, and even if Gregson is staying in the 42. Um, Because nothing is – nobody – there's not a lot of of the same story in terms of that deal. All right. I'm I'm calling BS on this whole situation. I'm, and again, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I agree with the idea that Toyota didn't want Gregson, so they sent somebody hunting for something, anything, to pin him on. And I'm going to go there, and I'm going to say this PC society that we live in today is over the top. When you cannot say what you believe without having to check yourself because of sponsors, or worrying about losing your job, it doesn't matter who you are, what what field you are in. You should you have a First Amendment right. 
And I know this is, a, this is not a political show, but when our First Amendment rights are being trampled on in such overt ways, we have a problem as a society, as America. As far as the racing goes, I totally agree with the idea that Toyota didn't want Gregson, so they went and they found something. Some way to get rid of them. Now, given the precedent of Kyle Larson's issue, Noah will do, quote-unquote, sensitivity training, and he's going to come back just like Larson did. And that's the end of my way. Can you but, not be on the? Uh, can you not be on either side of the fence and then just enjoy a good freaking meme? Like memes are a part of our culture. I am not going to sit here and and not give a kid an opportunity to go to college somewhere because he may have liked a political meme that doesn't enter, that doesn't go with my views. He is allowed to have. His view. Now, if I seen what sponsor come out and said, hey, we don't want to sponsor this guy like we did with Kyle Larson, right? Kyle Larson lost his sponsor. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think sponsors were jumping on this one. No. No sponsor has come out and said anything. Now, watch them come out of the woodwork. But to this point, no sponsor has come out and said we're we're not going to continue to sponsor him. Right, right. right. This is a hit piece. This was a TRD thing. If they were, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say something insensitive, but Toyota racing, I, I I just don't like. I drive a Toyota. I love my Toyota Camry. But it's still hard to this day to like Toyota racing in, in, in NASCAR. And it's just deals like this, the dirty politics. You kind of just wonder, you know, being that John Hunter is the beneficiary to all of this, it's maybe, you know, this isn't, once again, Joe Gibbs, right? Joe Gibbs with his greedy, right. nasty, ugly little, you know, I mean, <laughs> look, every time I see he gets us on the side of the Monster Energy car, it's like, he knows blasphemy. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about that. But he, he gets us as a Christian organization on a can of, of energy drink that promotes the beast, right? And we all know who the beast is, right? He's the devil, right? So it, it's just, you know, once again, I hate to bring it to this little level here, but it just seems fishy. It seems out of character. It seems like they would have known that this happened beforehand. And and what everybody's confused of, it didn't happen yesterday. This was something that was found on his Twitter from three years ago that obviously with all of this was going on, nobody picked up on it then, right? I mean, wait a minute. I told you they went searching for this. 
Of course, it is the main reason why any athlete or anybody who's going into the political uh, platform, the first thing they do is try to erase everything from the previous years on their Twitter and Facebook accounts. And you can't blame them. You really can't blame them. As we've seen people denied opportunity for colleges and denied um, or are fired from their jobs. Elon Musk actually come out within an hour and was like, if you've been fired uh, for something that's happened on because of a meme or something on this platform, that uh, Twitter X will be glad to help cover the, the legal costs and stuff through that. So you just kind of have to wonder if maybe some legal teams didn't come together real quick and call Legacy and be like, hey, we can't fire him. And uh, it's because if we do, uh, it'll, it'll open up these cans of worms. Uh, but anyway, we put too much time and emphasis into that. The silly season is still relevant. We don't know where Denny Hamlin is going. We don't know the future. Uh, we do know Ryan Priest is staying in the 41. We still don't know the future of Eric Amarola. We don't know the future of Michael McDowell. We don't know the future of Zane Smith. There's still variables to be played here. Where does Noah Gregson go from here? Because the one thing that I take from his interview last year after the Dale Jr. fiasco, after Dale Jr. called him out and they suspended him from his ride, the, the emotional Noah Gregson was like, I'm, I'm so ready to go cup racing, but I'm afraid of leaving the success that I'm having now for mediocrity. And I feel like from the day he signed that contract, we were all like, whoa, dude. You shouldn't have done that. And now here we are, nine, ten months later, really realizing that this dude should not have gone to that ride. Like, if he would have well, held out a couple more weeks, I think he would have been probably set for a full-time ride at Colleague Racing. I think he got to jump the ship on this one. And, of course, a whole lot of things have happened since he signed on uh, with the Legacy Murder. At that point in time, it was still uh, petty and GMS Racing. So a lot has changed in the organization since no aggression signed with that deal. Go ahead, Pat. Well, that's that's exactly where I was going because you also forgot to mention the thought of possibly SVG trying to get into the Cup Series, right? And we also asked the question of if he comes over, how's he going to do on ovals? Well, we're about ready to find out because when the Truck Series hits – IRP, either this weekend or next weekend, I don't remember exactly, um, he'll be running for Nice Motorsports in the truck race. So we'll see how he'll be able to do. Um, But, again, this comes down to, I think, Hawley right now, because of Justin Haley out, they have an open car. And obviously we can sit here and say, well, Gregson, because he's worked with Colling before in the past and stuff like that, so it would make perfect sense, and Chevy would be able to keep Gregson. Now, the only other question raises is that if and only if um, SVG does somehow get signed to a Cup Series ride, where is he going to go? Right now with supercars, he's with Chevy. So you have to think Chevy teams, right? And, of course, there's the Spire option. And um, If Ty Dillon says, if given the boot, says see you later, 
there's SVG, but at the same time, you have to sit here and think, well, can Colleague take the opportunity and nab him? And that would screw Gregson in that sense. Now, in our chat before um, early before the show started, Craig uh, chimed in and said something of, could this be the cap, the the motivation for Dale Jr. to try to get a charter and put Junior Motorsports on the map and be a satellite team off of Hendrick? And which you could sit here and think, yeah, that could be the motivator, but at the same time, you have to sit here and think, is there really going to be a charter available? Because right now all charters are not, there's not even a charter up for sale, and NASCAR hasn't even taken taken in any action of taking away a charter from, say, um, Rick Ware with one of their cars, or BJ McLeod, for instance. So, right. you have this so you have all these question marks in the air of not only what is um, is what driver going where, but you have so many puzzle pieces of is there going to be a team that will field an open car full time just to field Gregson or field SVG, for example, you know? It, there's so many variables that we don't even know right now. And I feel like the biggest yeah. wild card of that right now is this SVG deal because of Chevy, Gregson with Chevy. Obviously, when it comes to Ford, you know, there's there's that fiasco. But right, but again, but don't forget that June that Dale Jr. has already expressed his desire to field the Cup team. You know, again, the charter thing comes into play, but there's that, too. And the only downfall, and we've seen this with Gaunt Brothers and Daniel Suarez the one year, the only downfall of trying to field a open car full-time is if you run into a situation, we've seen this numerous times in the Xfinity series um, in the last few years, is that if you, like, we'll use Daytona, for example. If you fail to qualify for the 500 and there's more than 40 cars, which which in the last number of years there has been, um, if you fail to qualify, you, you're screwed, you, you kind of screwed yourself in the points, in a sense, right? Now, if you say... I mean, look at, like I said, Daniel Suarez with Gun Brothers. He missed out on the Daytona 500 fielding an open car. Um, in the Xfinity series, there's been times where um, a driver misses out of the race that weekend because qualifying was rained out and you have to fall back on the previous race. And that can screw a driver too. So that's the only downfall of having an op- trying to field an open car full on a full-time basis and if you get races where you have more than 40 cars. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have an answer to that one.
Well, Chris? I don't think I do either. Um, I think that uh, Noah Gregson's best bet is probably back to junior motorsports, and there's probably a couple of openings there uh, for him. Um, if not, then maybe over at Colleague Grayson. Of course, they're still questioning about who's going to be in the 31. I think that that's probably, like, the biggest open ride right now that we know is available. Um, the problem is, is what names are available, and obviously Noah Gregson's name uh, should be, I believe, at the top of that list. Look, I've never been a Noah Gregson fan, but I think that his last year at junior motorsports, he proved to me that he had the talent of what it took. I love his personality, and I think that in the beginning, maybe he was a rich school kid who got opportunities that other people didn't get. But since then, he's had to go through life, and, and it's been a roller coaster for him. His father's gotten locked up for uh, manslaughter. Um, he got, you know, he, he was having the best year of his career and took out some uh, uh, some aggression and wound up getting suspended, getting talked down by the guy that he really looks up to. I don't know if it was Noah's relationship with Dale or Noah's relationship with Kelly that was the strongest. I feel like Kelly was the real connection to Noah Gregson at the time. And uh, I, I, won't, uh, I, I would definitely um, see that relationship uh, able to be, be uh, repaired and, and obviously a homecoming uh, for Noah Gregson to come back to the organization here. We're running short on time. Of course, uh, we had uh, an SRX uh, series segment that we needed to get into, but dealing with the um, uh, the – uh, crunch of time and having the interview on, I think that we're just going to have to skip that. Taz, I think that uh, we should probably use these last few minutes uh, to get uh, uh, some hot picks out for this upcoming indie event. You want to take over from here, sir? Hey, 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 yes. hey, look, if you want to say if you want to say something about the SRX, I know that you probably you probably have uh, something that you wanted to go through with that. Let's go ahead and get that in real quick, and then and then if you can kind of hurry and give us the uh, top three contenders, pretenders, and whatnot, we'll kind of close out the show with that. Yeah, quick um, SRX update. Obviously, um, Paul Tracy is out for the rest of the season, um, hence why Johnny Benson Jr. was racing at Berlin this past week. Uh, this week and next week, SRX hit uh, the two and only dirt tracks to, of the season to wrap things up. This week at Eldora, um, Chase Briscoe will be piloting um, the empty ride. And then next week, it's been announced uh, yesterday that Jonathan Davenport will be piloting an SRX machine at Lucas Oil Speedway in Missouri. To finish this season Um, Right now Ryan Newman Continues to lead the SRX Point standings Uh, Kyle Busch goes back To back I Believe he's the first driver Since Tony Stewart of season One to win Back to back races Um, And he He along with Chase Elliott are the only two drivers That I can remember to Date um, are the only two drivers that have gone two for two in their SRX series uh, debut or however you want to word it. Um, 
and Kyle Busch has mentioned he wants to run more SRX races in the future if the schedule works. His schedule works out, obviously. He's got trucks, uh, cups, plus um, his racing with Brexton, you know. But um, anyways, hot picks for Indianapolis, uh, the road course, instead of the oval like it should be. But, hey, I'm just going along for the ride. Anyways, um, my favorites this week, I am looking at A.J. Allmendinger, Tyler Reddick, and Kyle Larson. As for contenders, I am looking at Austin Sindrick, Chris Busher, and Chase Elliott. And for underdogs, I am throwing in Harrison Burton, Eric Jones, and Ty Gibbs. If we can throw in two or three names for each category while we have a few minutes to wrap up our list, that would be great. And the panel is now open. Can you post those pictures real quick, or did you send those into the chat? That's too good. Yeah, just throw those in there so I got something to look at. Um, so I'm very surprised at the Harrison Burton. He finally made the list. <laughs> I don't know what uh, substance he has on the reason why he would be an underdog other than maybe Penske. Um, but, um, um, hold on, Chris. Uh, uh, last year he finished third in this race. Very interesting, Chris. That was done his homework. Um, all right. So third, that's probably his best career finish. Um, all right. So did we hear Austin Cedric? As a contender, yes. Okay. So I'm going back to my, uh, did you get that post to AJ? Where's AJ? At? There it is. Okay, there it is. Okay. Not seeing AJ on the day now. I don't know why. Well, how can we not have Dinger on here? I mean, he, you know, I mean we've only is, raced yeah. the Indy Road Course twice. Oh, Dinger's and, in the favorite. Okay, Dinger is a favorite. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, all, yeah Dinger, Dinger and Reddick are the only two winners of this race. Um So the what about McDowell? Um, you see, uh, I was going to throw his name in there, but I didn't know where to throw, and I wanted – so I left his name off the list for good reason because I knew his name was going to come up, and I wanted to see how you guys felt about it because I could throw him in underdogs, but at the same time, he, he's got this niche for road courses. So it was like, do I throw right. him in underdog or do I throw him in contender list? Definitely underdog, for sure. Uh, that's where Michael McDowell belongs most of the time. Um, it, it's uh, hard to give him much more credit when you've got other guys that are in, of course, superior equipment. Ty Gibbs comes to name, Christopher Bell, of course. Um, so definitely we could squeeze – uh, McDowell over there. And also, I think by surprise, uh, Todd Gillian is a pretty good road racer as well. But I said Todd Gibbs. And I think Todd Gibbs is one of those guys that we've been waiting on to see kind of, you know, we've been quiet about him. And his name's kind of gotten mentioned the last couple of weeks. Uh, could we put much substance into the fact that maybe Todd Gibbs actually 
comes out of this race really competitive? Oh, for sure. I mean, he, I mean, last year he finished 17th. So. Yeah, I would almost picture him in as a contender. Doesn't he have a road course win in Xfinity? Yeah. I don't know about that. He does really well. He's he's won several Xfinity road course races. I do want to throw throw in quick. Um, if we're gonna th- we're we're gonna throw in McDowell somewhere because I can't leave him off this list. Um, you mentioned Christopher Bell. We could, but given that he is a in two races he has a twenty four average finish, it doesn't look good. He has not scored a top ten in either of these two races. Um, there are some names that are up there that we're, I believe we're leaving off here. Uh, Chris mentioned Todd Gillen. I can easily throw him in for a underdog um, achievement. Um, we could throw Bubba Wallace into the hat. He, he's he got around a top 10 average finish at this track. Um, Justin Haley, who did exceptionally well in the Chicago street course. Um, I believe Denny Hamlin is a fair is an easy favorite to throw in. Maybe Martin Truex Jr. as well, being that um, I remember Hamlin was basically. I, I mean, Truex is hot, feeling hot right now, and Hamlin, on the other hand, I believe at one point could have won the Indy uh, Road Course race. Um, the first year it was held, but ended up going to AJ Allmendinger. I'm trying to think. I think there was an incident that Hamlin was involved in. That costed him. Uh, so one more that I think uh, we're missing is Kevin Harvick in this. And I, and I feel like desperation is there. Kevin Harvick. I, I could see him as a contender. Or not, not a. I'm sorry, not a contender, an an underdog. Yeah, that's he's, where I'm feeling on this one. Yeah, he's not known for road courses. Um, as of right now, I'm looking at the list, and we have we we throw in Hamlin, we throw in Truex for the favorites, we throw in Todd Yellen, we've now thrown in Kevin Harvick on the underdogs. Um, we've thrown in Michael McDowell as a contender that could argue be, that could either way go arguable underdog or contender either way. Um, we could throw in one more contender if we wanted to, and I've mentioned his name already. There's the Bubba Wallace factor. Um, there's also, um, a Joey Logano factor, although his average finish doesn't entirely add up. To make that happen, um, and I and I've thrown in Justin Haley, who had a fairly well decent run at Chicago Street Course, although he probably would fit more into the underdog role. So, 
are we feeling the Bubba Wallace or the Joey Logano deal in terms of that final contender role? And I would feel like Joey Logano. Damn, that's a tough. That's a tough one because Logano's not necessarily known for road courses. And Bubba's only one on road courses because of sheer luck. So, I don't know. I, 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 throw, I throw Logano in there because he can always surprise us. Yeah, I think it's Logano. Yep. All right, fair enough. So that basically closes our list. I'll go over it again, and of course, it'll be posted in the morning. Um, AJ Allmendinger, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Martin Truex Jr. We have listed as our favorites for the Indy Road Course this weekend. Contenders: We have Austin Sindrick, Chris Busher, Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, and Joey Logano. For underdogs: Harrison Burton, Eric Jones, Ty Gibbs, Todd Gillen, and Kevin Harvick. Of course, there have been a few names we have thrown out there that are not on this list. But, hey, it happens every week because there's plenty of variables to figure things out. Very much so. And we have to race the race to see who wins. All right. Thank you all for being a part of the show here tonight. Of course, I'm going to let Taylor sign us off here, but uh, we do – I uh, want to remind you guys that uh, we are on all the uh, cool podcasts. And uh, if you uh, come across this show, share the link. Uh, we're always looking for new followers. But, Dad, Taylor, go ahead and close us out here, my friend. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening along to Race Chat Live here on Tuesday night. We want to thank Austin Terrio for coming on to the show earlier tonight for a wonderful interview to talk about his event and what's going on. Um, over in Maine. Um, be sure to listen to us on any forms of podcast if you ever miss our live shows, such as Blog Talk Radio, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaving Podcast, Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, and on YouTube. Thank you to our sponsors. I make the 110 Nation roll. Phoenix, uh, no, not Phoenix, Phoenix. Bears Bullish Market Talk. Group, Carolina Sports Plus, more to music, karaoke, and entertainment, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, and TNT Design. We want to thank everyone for listening on to the show. We'll be back at the same bad time, same bad place next Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central. This has been the Caution Flag of Racing Radio. Chris Creighton, the Mama Bear of the 110 Nation, Miss Lee Reed, I'm the Tasmanian Devil of Flaggers, Taz Taylor, saying good night. We'll see y'all next week. Goodbye. Good night, everyone. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.